So good news out of Buffalo. DeMar Hamlin has opened his eyes. He opened them last night. He is responsive. He still has the breathing tube, so he's not able to be verbally responsive, but he is physically responsive, squeezing the hands of his loved ones. He even wrote a note to doctors asking who ended up winning the Bills-Bengals game. Obviously a game that never ended up getting resumed. So now, of course, the question moving forward is what does end up happening with that game? First and foremost, the concern, of course, is Hamlin's safety and his recovery. Everyone is comforted by the words from his doctors today. We heard from them in their own press conference saying that great progress has been made. His family has told the media over and over and over again how appreciative they are of everyone's support. But there is also, Joe, a football angle to this story. What happens with that game? Adam Schefter, ESPN's NFL insider, he was on SportsCenter earlier and floated an interesting idea. They would essentially go to win percentage. And in the end, if it involves the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, one of the teams impacted by Monday night along with the team that was in command of the number one seed like the Chiefs are right now, if they can win on Saturday, what the league could opt to do is make the conference championship game played on a neutral site. To get to that point, before the league could get there, it would have to take votes of 32 owners and get approval of that plan. But that is is one of the ideas that will be on the table here and will merit further discussion. Now, if it were the Chiefs and the Ravens or the Bills and the Jaguars and a top team with a clear lower-seeded team, well, then that team would host the conference championship game. So that is an idea that I had not heard before Adam Schefter revealed on SportsCenter that it's an idea that the NFL is considering. It is sort of an easy way, I guess, of trying to take this home field advantage out of it that maybe wasn't completely fairly earned in the eyes of people because that game that was supposed to be for the top seed there in the AFC never got to be played. So instead, if it ends up being a matchup amongst the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Bengals, those top three teams, you just make it neutral so that nobody is disadvantaged and nobody is advantaged. What do you think of that idea? There is literally no solution that is going to appease everybody there's going to be an argument against everything that's pitched and with that said excuse me i i think this is this is not bad at all this is really not bad you put these you put them on a neutral i mean every team involved understands what's going on i think everyone understands the circumstances are extraordinary they have not been dealt with before so you're trying to figure out how to make do to go with a neutral feels fantastic i mean we've got a neutral monday night TCU in Georgia, we see it all the time. We see it for the Super Bowl. It would be unfair to say the one seed doesn't get to host of the game, but you're working through so much right now and trying to figure out what could have been, what should have been. The question for me would be, where's the neutral? If it's Cincinnati-Buffalo, right. if it's Kansas City-Buffalo, no matter who it is, and do you play it outdoors versus a dome? Because there are some significant advantages there. Those are three good offenses. But people look at Buffalo and they think they're this great outdoors team. Like they benefit from the weather. They're not built that way. Mm -hmm. Teams that benefit from the weather are teams like the Steelers. Teams that play really good defense, run the football. They don't need a high volume passing attack. Like Miami's a team that would not thrive well in cold weather on a regular basis. They're not built that way. But the Niners... It has more to do, because people think with Miami, it's just that those guys are used to being in Florida. So, like, their blood's thinner. It's also the way, quite literally, their 
your offense is designed. Yeah. If you're not ground and pound, then cold weather ain't for you. And Josh Allen in that Buffalo Bills offense is so dynamic that I agree with you. It's not really a cold weather offense, even though they tend to do pretty well in Buffalo. Yeah, if you put them on the fast track inside a dome, I think that works for them. I think that works in a big way. Now, you could say the same thing about Kansas City, but they play very well outdoors. We've seen that time and time again at Arrowhead Stadium. Cincinnati thrived well. So I don't know if it would mean that much because these three teams are kind of built similarly. They're high-powered offenses. The Bills have the best defense of the three. But a team like the Niners is one that you could put in really cold weather, and they would just mow you down. So I find it fascinating that if you are going to go this route, where would the venue be, and would it be indoors versus outdoors? Like, do you go to Nashville and play it in Tennessee? Do you try to play it somewhere warm? Do you go somewhere cold because these are three cold-weather teams? Do you take just what's available? I mean, Indianapolis will clearly be open. It's not like the Colts are going to the playoffs. You can well, play inside there. There's also this caveat here that with some of these NFL stadiums, like are they going to be used for other things? Are there other events in the same cities at the same time? If yeah. there isn't a game scheduled, I don't know how that works. I know there's other logistics involved. And then also the fan component of this. Like that, I guess, would be the component that ends up not so fair because the geographical proximity of wherever you end up having these games, it, it, it's going to be very hard for it not to be closer to any given fan base, right? So, you know, one fan base probably doesn't have to travel quite as far. Some of these fan bases might travel better. We are talking about three ter- teams here with, with good fan bases. Advantage there, though, Chiefs and Bills, I would say, right, over Bengals in terms of how these fan bases travel. C- careful, but Buffalo, careful. Sorry, You're going to get them all riled sorry, up in Cincinnati. Sorry, Cincy. I'm just talking about. Uh, you know, the history on our side here. Sorry, Cincy. All three fan bases would show up. We're talking about a conference championship. Buffalo, depending where it is, might have further to travel. So that could be part of this equation. I don't know if it matters, though, when we're talking conference championship. It's like a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl is in a neutral site. People still travel for it, still come for it, because the stakes are so high. So it might seem a little unfair to the fan of each team, but I think that the fans would understand, and and maybe it is. It's not an idea I would have ever thought of, frankly. I mean, credit to the NFL, whoever came up with that, because it's an interesting way to handle this situation. People people would go. I mean, people would go no problem. I, I mean, outside of... Obviously, you have to figure out if the buildings are booked for anything else, but Indianapolis is close to all three. Mm-hmm. It's close to all three. Chicago, I don't know if you want to play outdoors at Soldier, but no. that's close to all three. Like You can find locations between Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo that'll be easy to fill. I mean, you go to Pittsburgh. Cincinnati's close. Buffalo's close. It's a little bit more of a trip for Kansas City, but there are lots of opportunities in that general range. The question would be, do you want to play it indoors or outdoors? I think that's where the gripe would be. It's not going to come down to the location. It's going to come down to indoors versus outdoors because between those three teams, I'm sure some of them have a preference for playing inside and others would have a preference for playing outside. I think if you're the NFL, though, you want to deliver the best product. And that's so why you wouldn't indoors. want to play at Soldier. You know, like you don't necessarily want the elements there. You don't want the wind. You don't necessarily want it to be that cold. I think you want the best product. The best product would be indoor because it's a controlled but doesn't environment. That, but doesn't outdoors simulate the closest to what we would have gotten anyway? Because if Cincinnati, Kansas City, or Buffalo was hosting, you'd be getting an outdoor, cold weather, miserable weather type game. So that's you could true. go on one hand, you can intentionally pick an outdoor venue because you're in a situation where that's where it would have been regardless, or you can embrace the fan experience and you can play it indoors to your point. 
It'll be interesting to see what the NFL does here, if that's even what ends up being the decision. We, of course, still have no official word on what is even going to happen in terms of the reschedulement of that game between the Bills and the Bengals. So we will bring you that if we get any news on that or any news, of course, on DeMar Hamlin's condition. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, would you rather play Brady or Rodgers in the playoffs? We'll make our case next. It is Joe and Amber at ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers, thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Law school grads are in the house. Things are going to get heated. This is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. You can also tell your smart speaker, play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. Joe Fortenbaugh went to law school. He went in San Diego, had a little too much fun in San Diego, didn't end up pursuing law as his career. Instead, he thought, you know what's a lot more fun? Sports radio. I also somehow decided sports radio was a lot more fun as well. But I, I took a, a slightly more crooked path. I did practice law for a little while. Um, and actually, technically, I still practice law. But my main focus now is this show, Joe and Amber. And so I miss arguing because now it has been some months here since I've gotten to do it in terms of the legal profession. So I'm going to do it with you. This is a little segment that two law school grads like to call jury duty. Let's go. All right. Time to state your case. Welcome to jury duty. This is jury duty with Joe and Amber. So James Steele, he is the producer of this show. We're going to bring in James for this segment. What's up, James? Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, so I'm going to. Hi, James. Uh, yeah, hello. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you guys a topic. 
And uh, Amber's going to take one side. Joe's going to take the other. And then uh, we'll decide here uh, in the in the control room who wins. So the first topic, who are you more scared of in the playoffs, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Amber. This one's easy for me. It's the greatest to ever do it. It's the greatest to ever do it in the playoffs. Also just the greatest to ever do it in terms of the NFL of all time. The only stat I think I would need to reference for this argument is 7-1. to Because that's how many Super Bowl rings Tom Brady has versus Aaron Rodgers. And oh, by the way, the seventh one for Tom Brady came this decade. Whereas for Aaron Rodgers, not so much. We haven't seen one of those since 2011. Aaron Rodgers is famously known for not getting it done in the postseason. So why on earth now would I be more scared of that guy getting Getting it done in the postseason. Tom Brady has almost as many playoff wins as the entire Green Bay Packers franchise. The Packers have 36 playoff wins. Tom Brady has 35. Aaron Rodgers' record in the postseason, 11 and 10 as a starter. It's not even close, this conversation. I understand Tom Brady's older. I understand Tampa is not a great team this season. They still won their division. They're in the playoffs. I don't even know if I'm going to see Aaron in the playoffs. This one's easy. It's Brady. I would like to apologize I would like to apologize to the University of Miami Law School that your graduate, Amber Wilson, just embarrassed you like that. She tells you about the stats that happened 20 years ago. So because Brady won a Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers 300 years ago, I'm supposed to worry about him now because Brady beat the Philadelphia Eagles with Donovan McNabb throwing up on the field. I'm supposed to worry about him now. The most important part of what she said was right at the end when she brought up the fact that she understands Tampa Bay isn't good this season. They're not good. This is a team that, led by Tom Brady, ranks 24th in the NFL in scoring. Let's deal with facts that pertain to this year. 24th in the NFL in scoring. Here's a list of the elaborate teams the Buccaneers have beaten this year. Carolina, not a playoff team. Arizona, Kingsbury's going to get fired. The Saints twice, clown show. The Atlanta Falcons, great job. And the Dallas Cowboys in week one when Dak Prescott got hurt. That's the resume of the Buccaneers this year. At the very least, Green Bay beat Tampa Bay. They've beaten the Patriots. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the Dolphins. And they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers is the pick because he plays for the better team that definitely has a better chance of beating you than the Buccaneers. James. All right. Uh, we're, we're deliberating real quick. Oh, you're done. The, jury, the jury's deliberating. Yeah, we know who it is. Well, when the four person is we're ready, split. please give your verdict. You're split. Well, I, I can, split. for one, a member of the jury here. I do Hello, like the, ar- the argument that Joe put together as far as the teams what? that the Bucks beat. However, <laughs> the question is, who are you more scared of, Brady or Rodgers, and I'm scared of Brady because of the fact that he's just he's been able to lead teams back to wins anyways Victory. and the seven and one thing. I'm with Amber. Yeah, that was a All great right. comeback against the Rams. That that was a really good a real tough Rams team this year. Listen, Brady put up over four hundred yards uh, just last week if we want to talk recent stuff. All right, All right so, James, what else? So we got? Amber wins round one. Uh, all right, the second one. It's jury duty. Duty spelled D O O T. Duty, got it. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Joe, the more dangerous team heading to the playoffs, we have them playing this week for the AFC South title. Whoever wins gets in. Jaguars or Titans, the more dangerous team. Joe, go. 
I'm a Vegas guy, so I'm going to bring a Vegas component to this. I like the Titans plus the six. The entire world is going to want to bet the Jaguars because they've been playing well as of late. I don't blame them. The defense has stepped up the last couple weeks, and Trevor Lawrence has been fantastic. So if you want to side with Jacksonville, I understand. But keep in mind, this is what you're going against. Tennessee hasn't played since last Thursday night when they rested almost everybody, knowing that was a meaningless game against Dallas. That means between then and Saturday, they have nine days off. Head coach Mike Vrabel, with nine days of rest during the regular season in his NFL career, 9-1 and one straight up, 9-1 and one against the spread, beating the closing point spread by an average of 15 points per game. He has been exceptional with extra rest. Josh Dobbs has an extra week in the system. Derrick Henry back. He'll be running the ball probably 30 times in this game. I like Tennessee as the bet. I will take Tennessee in the argument. I, I don't have the fancy daily wager Vegas stats to throw your way. Okay. So I can't do that. What I do have is stats that everybody, even the layman understands four game winning streak. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars five wins in their last six games. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence versus Joshua Dobbs. That of course, advantage Jacksonville Jaguars. And Oh, by the way, the Tennessee Titans currently have 23 players on injured reserve, including their starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who had ankle surgery. He's done for the rest of the season and postseason. This is easy for me. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans are two teams trending very different directions. Advantage Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, quick deliberation here. Amber wins and the Jaguars are the most dangerous team. Hell of a jury we've got tonight. Yeah, real quick. Hell of a jury. Really seems like a lot of hard work's going in back there. Yes, we are. Uh, we're we're very efficient. All right. Uh, next one. The best receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson or Tyree Kill. Uh, Amber, I'm sure we will be shocked by who you will pick here. You will be shocked. You'll never see it coming. It is in fact. Tyreek Hill uh, for my Miami Dolphins. Now, given when you pull the stats for these two guys this season, very similar stats, right? These are obviously both phenomenal receivers. What's going to give Tyreek the edge here is that Tyreek is doing it no matter who's throwing him the football. He's had Skylar Thompson throwing him the football, by the way, multiple times this season. He's about to have it again on Sunday. It doesn't matter if it's Skylar Thompson. It doesn't matter if it's Teddy Bridgewater. It doesn't matter if it's Tua Tungvaloa. It doesn't matter if it's Patrick Mahomes. Whoever's throwing him the football, he is an unbelievable receiver. He was the first to hit a thousand this season. It is Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, who is by far the fastest receiver in the league. The yards per catch, the yards after catch, all those fancy stats we've seen from Tyreek his entire career. It is like no none else, no matter who's throwing him the football. He is a huge reason, by the way, that the Dolphins were in the position that they were in or could even make a postseason after this skid. And oh, by the way, he's sharing targets with another guy in Jalen Waddle, who's pretty good. So it's phenomenal. He's still putting up those stats very difficult to pick between the two very difficult amber alluded to the stats earlier and said they're very close that's a great way of putting it when you're defending hill because he has fewer receptions fewer yards and fewer touchdowns in jefferson this season so it's a cute argument oh the stats are close they are close but jefferson wins in all three of those categories and to the point that hill can do it with anybody in the jets game with skylar thompson at quarterback he caught seven passes for 47 yards with no touchdowns this past week against the patriots without tuatunga vailoa four catches for 55 yards, no touchdowns. So let's ease up that he can do it with anyone. Nobody he can still get puts up some numbers. And the dude is an absolute freak. So if I lose this one, I'm more than comfortable with it because either guy is as dangerous as they come. But I go with Justin Jefferson. 
Uh, another quick deliberation. Uh, Joe wins this one. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver. That's because you just didn't want me getting swept. That is, this. Th- we need a new jury. <laughs> We need an you absolute think ju- new jury. You think, you think this jury is is on the take? They've been they've been spoiled. I think they've, they've been, been compromised. compromised. This we jury are, we it's are been compromised. The, we are on the up and up. Don't worry about us. <laughs> well, that was our first edition of Jury Duty. I like it. Coming up next is the Derek Carr era in Vegas over. We have some clarity on how the NFL, or at least when we're going to get to the decision on how the NFL is going to handle the AFC playoff seating. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenma here with you. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. You're going to have your chance to hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line in just about 15 minutes. Triple Eight, say ESPN. We take calls on this show at the end of the show in a segment that we like to call caller roulette. That is your chance to join the conversation. Anything you want to talk about in the world of sports, 888-729-3776. The hotter the take, the better. So we will in about 15 minutes, get to your phone calls. But first Diana Rossini tweeted out just moments ago, Joe, that NFL owners are going to meet tomorrow to discuss and decide how the AFC playoff seating is going to work per sources. She says we should have answers before the weekend. So it appears that we are going to get an answer soon. Excellent news. Excellent news on the DeMar Hamlin front as he continues to make progress. Excellent news on the NFL front as we get some clarity as to how the rest of the season will play out. The week has certainly gotten better with each passing day since Monday night. That is certainly true. So when we do have that information, whatever decision the NFL owners end up making, we will, of course, be bringing it to you and reacting to it as well, maybe by tomorrow, uh, hopefully, when we're on air, 7 to 9 Eastern, every Monday through Friday, Joe and Amber hanging out with you. Now on Joe and Amber, it is time to do a little something that we like to call pizza money. Let's go. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, third pizza money bet of the night. First one was the over 232 points in the Celtics-Mavericks showdown tonight. They're late in the second quarter, 64-46 Boston leads. Luka Doncic already with 20 points. Bet number two, Nikola Jokic over 11.5 rebounds in his showdown that tips off in a little over an hour against the Los Angeles Clippers. And then finally tonight, we're going to go to the ice. The Colorado Avalanche on the puck line, meaning they need to win the game by two or more goals. That pays plus 162, which means a wager of $100 returns $162 on your investment. They are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks, who are 16, 18, and 3 on the season. Surprisingly, they have reverse home road splits. Vancouver used to be known for having a great home ice advantage, and then they'd struggle on the road. It's the opposite this year. Just 7 10 and 1 at home on the season. They're allowing four goals per game on their home ice. That is second most in the National Hockey League. They've lost four straight, during which time they've been outscored by nine goals. The defending champ Avalanche haven't been great this season, but coming off that loss to Vegas the other night, I think we get a good effort here. Avalanche, puck line, minus one and a half, plus 162. Pizza money play number three. A little puck talk here on Joe and Amber. We also, of course. Look out, Greg Wyshynski. <laughs> we also, of course, have plenty of NFL talk here on Joe and Amber. And yesterday, Pro Bowl wide receiver Devontae Adams 
said that he wants to return to the Las Vegas Raiders next season. Oh, how this tune has changed, where he had said that he wouldn't be there if not for Derek Carr. He seemed very upset. People were wondering if he was going to try to force his way out of that franchise. He probably went home after those comments, looked at his bank account, and decided, eh, life, life's pretty decent here in Vegas. I think I can hang, even if my buddy Derek isn't here. He comes back out on Wednesday. He said, sure, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be here if not for Derek Carr, but, you know, there's probably life after Derek Carr. I'm summarizing, but that's essentially what Devontae Adams has come out and said, that he does, in fact, want to remain with the team that he is under contract with for, for many more years here. The question is, maybe Devontae Adams will be there next season. Is Derek Carr going to be there next season? And it seems like that answer is no. They obviously have shut him down here for the rest of the season. If they hadn't, they would have risked maybe in these last two games him getting injured. They would have been on the hook for $40 million guaranteed dollars if he had. But not only did they shut him down for that reason, it appears they shut him down because his time in Las Vegas is over. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL's draft analyst, has the Raiders right now taking Will Levis in his mock draft. So we're certainly, as we head towards the NFL draft, going to be having conversations about are they going to take a quarterback with that top pick? Keyshawn Johnson, he hosts a little show here on ESPN Radio called Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, but he was on a far superior show here on ESPN Radio just yesterday called Joe and Amber right here, 7 to 9 Eastern, Monday through Friday, every weekday coming your way. And Keyshawn said he doesn't know what the Raiders are going to do. These quarterbacks are okay, I guess, but you're not going to get Bryce Young, I don't think. You like Levin, you think he's the answer. I don't know that to be the case. C.J. Stroud, is he the answer? Or do you look to... Go back to Clark, maybe take less money, or do you try and figure out a relationship in a short period of time with Tom Brady because you think you can win now sort of thing and you have a relationship with him? I don't like what they did to Carr, but that's just me. I think when you got a new head coach trying to do things and that quarterback isn't his quarterback, that quarterback really never is going to get the benefit of the doubt unless he's a made man. And I don't ever think Carr was a made man in Las Vegas. You know, new coaches came in with John Gruden, not in love with him, and then Josh McDaniel and kind of gave him a fake extension, and that showed you right then and there he wasn't their guy. I agree with Keyshawn that he certainly wasn't this staff's guy. And also, somebody has to take the fall for this staff, right? I don't think you're going to get rid of Josh McDaniels yet. We saw it in record time when he was the head coach of Denver. It seemed, though, reasonable they were going to give him another opportunity here, at least for next season, to get it together. And so Derek Carr was going to be the one that takes the heat coming off of this season. I would imagine, Joe, it's more likely they're turning to the draft. But what do you see them doing at that quarterback position? Because it's scary I mean, to move on from Derek Carr. Like, he's been a good quarterback. And, by the way, your quarterback for so many years. And there's something frosty going on there, too. Because if you read in the McDaniels comments after the Niner game when he talked about how he made, he made it clear to let everyone know it's the same playbook. You know, Jared Stidham looked really good. It's the same playbook. We didn't do anything here. You know, some people just, and I'm paraphrasing here, he made it seem like some guys grasped the concepts a little bit better than others. It felt as if he was kind of getting a message out there about Carr. Now, whether he, he was or he wasn't, the Raiders got plenty of stuff on their plate right now. They need to move forward. I don't see a situation where Derek Carr is coming back. Why would you do this late in the season and then be like, all right, you're our guy next year? I think we, the, the ships have sailed on that one. They don't want to play Carr because they don't want him getting hurt, because they don't want to be on the hook for $33 million next year when they could either trade him or just outright move on. So they're not going to say anything about how he's gone because they don't want to completely ruin the trade value because there are going to be interested suitors in Derek Carr. The question, as you posed, is what do you do next year? 
sitting around seven where they're projected to be. There could be some options there. I know people talk about Will Levis from Kentucky. He could go a lot earlier. There are scouts that really love what he did. Some people will look at the stats from this last year at Kentucky and they'll knock him. But remember something. Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator who he had two seasons ago when he blew up, was not there last year. He went back to the Los Angeles Rams, and he has now returned to Kentucky, but Levis is gone. Bryce Young, I doubt he falls that far, but he does weigh somewhere in, what, 185, 190 pounds? That could be a concern, his size. And then C.J. Stroud just lit up Georgia, but prior to that, there were some concerns there from the scouts. So if you're the Raiders, ultimately... If you're in the front office or the coaching staff, you want to draft a guy because then you can sell it to ownership. Hey, we need two to three years to develop him after this year was a disaster. You bring a free agency guy in like a Garoppolo, you're going to be expected to win right away. So I think the Raiders are going to want to buy themselves some time and handle this through the draft. I have no idea if Will Levis is better than Derek Carr, right? Even five years from now when Will Levis has that opportunity to develop, chances are he ain't going to be better next season than Derek Carr. And the concern there, if you're Josh McDaniels, is how much time do you get? Like, do you have a patient ownership group that's going to go, okay, you've got some time here to develop whatever quarterback you bring in? I don't know if he's going to get that sort of leeway. I also know, and it shouldn't necessarily be a knock against him, but his history – The last time we saw him as a head coach, given it was a lot of years ago, was just so ugly. This season, his first year in Las Vegas was so, so ugly. We're talking about a team that people thought was really going to compete in that division because of the way that that team is constructed, Joe. So they kind of are in a win-now proposition, or at least they were in a win-now proposition when they had Derek Carr. I don't know if you go from win-now to let's go ahead and develop a guy over the next four years, and that's why if I'm the Raiders, I am looking more towards a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, but that brings concerns as well. I'm interested to see Garoppolo. I think we all think that he's a good, a decent quarterback that can game manage for you. I don't know if game managing Josh McDaniel's system is going to be successful, but then also, of course, there's durability concerns with somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Will Levis is a guy who, who, who looks the part in terms of the NFL. You mentioned the down season that he's coming off of. There's no easy answer here, though, when you're talking about these quarterbacks. They're not going to be in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence here. You mentioned that they're going to be sitting at something like seventh. There will be quarterbacks available to them. They will be highly touted quarterbacks. Are they going to be the answer and change things for the Raiders? I just have a hard time with this concept that Josh McDaniels is going to get that much of a runway, which is what you need when you're bringing in a new quarterback that's going to need development. All those guys you just mentioned, Will. Well, his biggest advantage is that he is working for an organization that, shall I say, doesn't necessarily have the financial resources at their disposal where they're inclined to just go buy out contracts. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not really how the Raiders do things. They're not going to see a mistake after one year, buy out everyone's deal, and then be on the hook for all that money while paying someone else. There are some organizations that have no problem doing that. Denver, clearly, with that Walton money, has no problem doing it. That's not really how the Raiders are going to operate. So they're going to get another opportunity. The one thing to consider here is that while the Raiders are sitting at 6-10 and and considered disappointing this year, coming off a playoff berth last season— They're kind of like the anti-Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have had everything go their way in late-game scenarios. They are 11-0 in one-score games. Now, when they lose, they get blown out in spectacular fashion. Blown out. But in close games, they've won them all, 11-0. The Raiders in one-score games are 4-9. and It seems like everything in a one-score game breaks against the Raiders, and everything breaks the right way for the Vikings. This Raiders team, as currently constructed, 
is better than their record indicates. They need to make some upgrades. They got to figure out the QB situation. And if a few things break their way next year, like they didn't do this year, this team could very quickly turn it around, believe it or not. I'm not sure if I believe Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl if he joins this Raiders team, but certainly he'll be part of that conversation as well because of that relationship with Josh McDaniels, because you do have Devontae Adams on that receiving core. So obviously they do have weapons for Brady to work with. The problem is for me, that O-line, like if I'm Brady, I'm not going to a team with an atrocious O-line. You're already seeing it in Tampa this season when there's injuries on that Tampa O-line, you're seeing that hamper Brady. And certainly because also they have no run game. He doesn't have the help in the backfield because the O-line is, has problems. If I'm Brady, I would carefully consider that plus Competing in that division, not something I would want to be a part of if I was a 46-year-old Tom Brady. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive. Coming up, your turn to get your hot takes in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. It is time for Caller Roulette. Coming up next. Your turn to join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. Hit us up. On the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. We want your hottest take. It can be anything across sports, anything you want to talk to us about. Give us a call. Not anything. Like anything in sports. You know, I don't really want to hear about your relationship problems. That's for another time, okay? I disagree a bit. I'll take the... Bring it from as far left as you possibly can. As far in the outfield as humanly possible. I'm happy to address those concerns. If you want love advice from Joe Fortball, you can hit us up as well. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Give us a call. Join the conversation. This is a little segment that we like to call Caller Roulette. Joe is in Las Vegas. He's very familiar with the sound of the wheel, the roulette wheel. Let's go ahead and spin it. Grayson. Grayson is in Texas. Grayson, thanks for the call. What do you have for us? Um, I'm just giving you three reasons why I think the Minnesota Vikings can make it into the Super Bowl. Number one, they'll have home field advantage, and that's really important because they have done really well at home. Think about it. They have won many one-score games at home. Two, when Justin Jefferson has many yards, they always do well. And my third and final reason is is because, like you said earlier, when they're in always behind and in one-score games, they're in a perfect record. That's why I think they can make it into the Super Bowl. Thanks, Grayson. I like how Grayson, Joe, just took a page out of the Joe and Amber playbook where you and I recently just did a segment called Jury Duty where we were making our arguments, right, because we're both law school grads here. And I feel like Grayson, although maybe not law school age just yet, might have a future, if he so chooses, going that direction because... That was a very formulated argument. I like the three points, okay? It was it was well-structured. Uh, our law school professors would be proud. He said home field advantage is going to be an advantage for the Vikings team. Uh, obviously, we are talking about a 12-win team. Justin Jefferson, an advantage. You argued earlier Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the National Football League. And them and their success, that 11-0 perfect record in one-score games. I will say this about the Vikings. Although they embarrassed me, when I argued that that one score record is why I was taking them over the Green Bay Packers. And one of the reasons I had argued that was because 
I felt like they're battle tested, right? And I understand there's like a bunch of fancy advanced stats that I think you're, you could probably throw at me and you're probably about to when it comes to the betting component of this. But it just felt like from the outside looking in, like this is them facing adversity and overcoming it each and every week. And that's got to amount to something. Now, it didn't amount to something against the Packers. Maybe it does in the postseason. Point one to Grayson's argument, fantastic. It's exactly what they teach you in 1L, IRAC, issue, rule, analysis, <laughs> so conclusion. He did oh, an excellent job with that. So true. Um, My head hurts. To the producers who put Watch him the- through setting me up with this, I'm in a tight spot because I'm anti-Viking, but if I argue against a 14-year-old, I'm going to look like a fool, yeah. and I'm probably going to be hated by everyone. So you I'll simply like say children. that. I'll simply say that Grayson had a very nice argument. Unfortunately, he is wrong. Minnesota will lose their first playoff game. A good argument. A well-constructed argument, Grayson. If I was the jury making the decision, I would say Grayson won the argument over Joe Fortenbaugh, who apparently hates children. Another compromised jury. Another compromised jury tonight. Well done. Uh, Triple H, say ESPN. That's how you give us a call. Join the conversation. Let's go ahead and spin the wheel. Nick, Nick is in Connecticut. Nick, thanks for the call. Are you 14? I am not. Not yet. That was, or not. I have, I was, I'm 24. So <laughs> that was Presumably 10 years ago. you were at one point. But, yeah, at one what point. What do you have for us? But uh, I, big fan of the show, I wanted to say, I think Brady and the Bucks, they're going to figure it out. I think they'll be in the NFC Championship game. You know, I had the Bucks in the Super Bowl before the season. And then the O-line injuries happened, Joe. And now I look like a fool because it's been a bad Bucks team. It's been a disappointing Bucks team in terms of defensively as well, which has been a little bit surprising to me. Brady not having the help in the backfield has been a huge problem, and they have not been able to get that run game. You see snippets of it from Fournette. You, nav- you have not gotten consistency from that run game all season long, probably in part because you've got – the O-line issues, which are understandable because those issues started before the season even started. Considering that, they have actually done an okay job keeping Tom Brady upright. Tom Brady, though, at times certainly hasn't looked like Tom Brady this season. And those weapons of Tom Brady seemingly have taken a step back. Now, Mike Evans had a phenomenal game last weekend, but it felt like Evans and Godwin has even lost some edge here as Brady has hardly aged snippets at 45. Those guys haven't helped him look as young uh, other weeks, even though last week would be an exception to that rule. I mean, the idea that the Buccaneers are going to do anything in the playoffs is preposterous. It's preposterous. They're 8-8. Eight and eight, latest, man. It's okay? not The only reason we're discussing Tampa Bay is because they didn't play in the AFC South, the AFC North, the AFC West, the NFC East, the NFC North, or the NFC West. There's one other division where they might have had a chance of winning, and that's the AFC South where the Jaguars are also 8-8. Eight and eight. That's the level you're on right now. The Jaguars. Congratulations, Brady. You're in the postseason. But the reality of the situation is you wouldn't be there unless your division stunk because your team is not very good. You beat one team with a winning record this season. That was Dallas in week one, which was eons ago. Your offense ranks in the bottom 10 in the NFL. I don't see them doing anything in the postseason. All that matters is that he is there. Randy is here. Randy is in Los Angeles. Randy, you got about 20 seconds. What do you have for us? I just want to talk about uh, Tom Brady. I I think you guys missed it. He's a super competitor. I don't think he would run from the challenge of going up against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I think he would embrace it. And uh, I remember that year he was like the fastest throwing throwing a pass uh, so he could counteract that uh, O-line issue by throwing passes to Darren Waller. 
Yeah, he does. He does get the ball out fast. He still gets the ball out fast, by the way, um, in his mid 40s. But still, I, I think when we're talking about divisions here, Tom Brady has always somehow found himself in the worst division in football. It worked out pretty well for him when he was in the AFC East. It's working out well for him in the NFC South. Yeah, without a shadow of that. Again, they're not going anywhere. They're only here because Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta are terrible. Any other division, you're not going anywhere. But you're he Jackson. was talking about Brady wanting to go to the Raiders. Brady wanting to go to a tougher division after this year because you and I were theorizing that he wouldn't make that move. Make this move. Joe and Amber, tomorrow night again, 7 p.m.